Welcome, I'm Luca Reedy, the host of the Feeling Alive podcast. Thank you for being here. Look, I'm going to be straight up honest here. Right now, we are a race desperately seeking fulfillment and truth in our life. And I, for one, have been in the depths of emptiness myself. And let me tell you this, it can get dark down there, but you can get out of it. So I've made it my mission to bring you guests that are inspiring, thought-provoking, and even radical in their belief systems, which are going to leave you feeling empowered, fulfilled, and ready to leap into your true self. It's time to awaken to a new way of being. Your true potential exists right now. You only need to go and find it. Welcome back to another episode of Feeling Alive with Luca Reedy. I am back here with Luke Smith 2.0. You actually haven't heard the version of 1.0 because I didn't hit the record button, as Luke said, and I've had to come back and completely do this podcast again. So I am actually excited about this because I feel like my energy is a little bit different and we might have missed something very crucial for you listeners, but the essence of this podcast is about Luke Smith's journey through, as a breathwork facilitator, releasing emotional trauma. Now, he helps emotions, emotional trauma, he helps the release of emotional trauma in multiple, 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 multiples of humans out there, including myself. And that's actually how I met Luke through one of his workshops. Um, he, held, he holds one-on-one sessions, group sessions, workshops currently going into 2020 as well, which I highly recommend you guys get into. And so I've invited Luke here with me today to get to the nitties and the gritties of emotional trauma. He had a pretty hot post uh, a little while ago about the dangers of emotional trauma. So that sort of triggered my response to get him on and talk about what it is. And for those of you who are just beginning a healing journey or those of you who are deep into it and are aware of what the what emotional trauma looks like, I wanted to go from basically 1.0 to 5.0 of the process of this healing journey and releasing past emotional trauma or pain from experiences growing up. And so without further ado, I welcome Luke Smith. Thank you, brother, for joining me. Thanks for having me on, brother. It's an honor to be here and to be able to discuss um, such an important topic with you. And um, yeah, I'm excited to dissect it and to to see where this leads, man. Obviously, I think that our chat beforehand was maybe too lit for the internet and it may have broken <laughs> the internet. So we're, we're going to have to reshape it somewhat or uh, we'll find a new way to, to talk about those things. But yeah, man, sure. thanks for having me. No worries, bro. Maybe it wasn't. Well, we were thinking it was lit because at the end we were like, "Whoa, what was that? That was crazy," and then, and then it just didn't record. And I went out for breakfast afterwards, and it just didn't record. And I don't know what happened. I did reach out to Zencaster, the the app that I use, and they said there was a glitch in their system. So I'm glad that that's uh, what happened. But I actually think this is going to be even more lit, and that's probably why we needed to wait. So, bro, first things first. Do, do you have anything that you're extremely grateful to, for today? I mean, I asked you this last year. I would love to know what your, in, what your like, biggest point of appreciation is today. Uh, in this moment right now, what I'm feeling is uh, vegetables, in particular 
celery juice. We had a Tracy and I are on the medical mediums nine day cleanse, and we Ooh. just had a celery juice, which sent us into some kind of crazy dancing um, for like ten minutes, and we were feeling absolutely lit up, and the juice <laughs> tasted delicious. And I am just really appreciating celery juice and grateful for celery juice. And I'm grateful for blenders, for someone designing blenders and making them available mm. to us. So we can <laughs> celery juice. I love um, yeah, yeah, man. That's been uh, definitely the highlight of my morning. Man, that's epic. Because, you know, the thing about, I mean, I love to see that dance. I don't know if it's on Tracy TV or not, but I uh, <laughs> hope so. No, um, it was uh, R rated. Oh, okay. In the yeah. event that, um, you and butt naked. Somewhat, yeah. <laughs> Dude, but the first thing like there is like appreciating the little things too. Like someone invented a blender so our lives could be easier today. Oh, we, what would we do mate, with our blender like, juices? Like we, we, we travel with an, um, a Nutribullet and it's, it's like two kilos, but it's the best two kilos that we could ever travel with because it makes our life so much easier, like blending cacao, juices, smoothies, whatever. It's so totally worth it. Very grateful for that person who invented the blender. Thank you, thank you. Must have been an engineer. <laughs> oh, mate, must have been. <laughs> God bless the engineers. Hey, brother, I'm just going to do a little bit of a, a little bit of a like a intro about the breath work that you do. So, for those who are listening here, I met Luke uh, at his one of his events he held in Perth last uh, was it last year or the year before. It was a year before. It was last year. It was actually the first workshop we'd ever held. It was 11 months ago. 11 months ago. Almost wow. to the date. Jesus. And it was a bite. So you do biodynamic breath work and trauma yeah. release. And that was the, I was coming from like a heavy Wim Hof background doing that for a couple of years before, purely like from this state of um, releasing, uh, so activating the cells in the body and oxygenating the blood and alkalizing the blood and healing the immune system, so to speak. And it was purely from that, like not getting sick stage. And so I had never been introduced to your style. or I just thought that that was like the new beaut thing is Wim Hof breath work. And he was the first person doing it. But then when I met you, I realized there was this whole other aspect of breath work, which is based on trauma release. And so I did your workshop, um, Danielle and I did it and I was erupting in tears I think it was one of you or Jake came over and touched me really hard in the muscles because that's I mean, we'll talk about what that is. But like you were using breath, movement and touch and it just like erupted this aspect of me that brought up a memory of my past childhood and I just cried and cried and cried and cried and cried and cried and, cried and, cried. and I was like, what the frick was that? Like for mm. real. And so that was the first experience and then it went that you actually, you know, helped me down that path to be to be completely honest, it's like going, okay, there's more to this than I than I thought. So can you just explain a little bit about biodynamic breath work from your point of view, bro, and, and, and how that helps yeah. the trauma release? Yeah. Um, what I might do is explain breath work in the general sense and then mm. what specifically biodynamic is and how it sits in that like larger field of breath work. Perfect. So breath work uh, in general is any um, kind of conscious uh, directed breathing pattern um, mm. and there's many different ways that we can use our breath so it's used in yoga um, it's used by Wim Hof 
and it can be used also um, to access parts of our psyche um, by releasing DMT using specific breathing methods. Mm. Um, it can be used uh, for like visioning and for seeing um, our future self and, and by like looking out into different aspects of um, consciousness. It can also mm. be used to connect with like loved ones that have passed over um, and with yeah with the Wim Hof breath it can be used to activate our cells and to oxygenate the body Um, and so these experiences can last from anywhere to from a couple of minutes all the way through to some of the the longer breathwork sessions will go up to three hours which is kind of the original holotropic breathwork sessions uh, with Stan Groff so there's this spectrum of breath work and um, ways that it can be used and applied and and it's been used for our breath has been a part of our um, a part of us for well since we've been born obviously but being consciously used um, mm. for thousands of years and there's quite a few quotes from like, biblical times of how the breath um, is such a powerful tool. Mm. And we're kind of on this journey of remembering that. And I think that's come from Stan Groff and from also a lot of the um, modernization of um, yogic practices and people are realizing how much it affects the nervous system and how you can use it on a, a daily basis just to assist you through your life, but also you can use it more therapeutically to release um, the shackles of the past. And Mm. that's how biodynamic approaches breath work. And and we see uh, the breath as basically an access point into the nervous system and to allow you to start the process of opening the body, opening the nervous system, opening um, the trauma so that it can be completed and resolved. Mm. And, one thing that I think is really important to touch on is that um, our breath is so powerful that it can be activated in any... So trauma can be activated um, or trauma release can be activated in any type of breath work. So Interesting. Not So although we hold the intention um, and create biodynamic breath work sessions around trauma release it doesn't mean that it only has to happen in those sessions so yeah that's something so, that wim hof, I, so wim hof breath can in, can instigate it too so yeah so if someone was activated enough in that their trauma was really close to the surface they were feeling all of the emotions and all of the activation of that trauma and if they did the breath for long enough generally with wim hof you probably won't do it for long enough but it mm. wouldn't take much more than what the wim hof is back another couple of minutes up to another five minutes and someone could be in a trauma release process um, and that's true for other styles of breath work as well because um, there's many different styles and um, yeah so basically that's an important thing to know and if someone was particularly sensitive or, or activated for whatever reason um, that's something to be aware of and I think that's a quite important for other breathwork practitioners as well just to have some kind of knowledge of of what may be happening in their breathwork sessions so Mm. so what we do specifically with biodynamic is uh it's a system that's been created by gitan tonkov and 
He's been working with the breath for over 15 years. And prior to that, he was a professional body worker. Uh, mm. So he was basically doing remedial massage. And um, he's got a lifetime of experience of uh, witnessing bodies and how bodies hold emotions and how they hold trauma. And that's shaped his understanding and his kind of direction with this style of breathwork. And mm. what he's created now is six pillars of biodynamic breathwork and trauma release. And the six pillars are basically the breath, their mm. touch, they are emotions, movement, meditation, and sound. And what even may help to dive a little bit deeper is to define exactly what trauma is because mm. it gets talked about a lot and... Uh, and I don't see a lot of people talking about what it actually is and giving people a way to understand how that might play out in their own lives. So, totally, bro. So what is it? What is emotional trauma? Yeah. So so trauma is any um, event or series of events which have overwhelmed the normal coping mechanisms of your nervous system and emotional intelligence. Okay. And what that means is that generally the fight or flight response will have been activated by the body and you haven't been able to complete or resolve that mm. fight or flight response, which is typically what you would see happening in nature with other mammals when they have gone through a fight or flight response. It's generally always been completed once they reach a safe space. And so those two aspects are so key to the work that we do and key to our lives in that we often don't have a safe space to release mm. our trauma and we, um, we don't allow ourselves to complete it because the completion of the trauma, um, it looks a little bit different. So it might look like tremoring, it will look like crying, it will look like deep breathing, um, it will look like certain movements. And we just don't allow ourselves to do that because we've been so conditioned to move and to be in certain ways that um, this way of trauma release, it feels foreign and is generally discouraged by parents or primary caregivers. Yeah. And so just circling back to trauma, trauma can happen in a split second. So, for example, it can be a car accident, in which case you will have these overwhelming emotions potentially of fear um of um Mm. um yeah of like anger maybe anger of sadness and will be there'll be multiple levels of these emotions as well so it'll they'll be all happening at once and they'll be transitioning from one to the other um from confusion and what's interesting is uh, animals go through the same things. They go through being hunted and escaping. So these like shock traumas. And generally we call these traumas um, capital T, like big T traumas. Yeah. And then there's also small T traumas, which are more your developmental traumas or trauma which has um, not been life-threatening in as such, mm. but it's been overwhelming to the nervous system and it may have happened over a longer period of time. So... For example, yeah. um, not being not being given like love or safety or connection from 
your parents or primary caregiver. Um, we have as children basic primal needs, which are safety and love and connection. That's what we need as, as mm. a child to know that we are safe in this world and that we are going to grow up and um, be, yeah, basically that we're safe in every moment. And if we don't have that, for example, because we weren't touched um, or because our parents were distracted with other things or because our parents had their own stress and so um, they were emotionally unavailable to us, then as children we'll take that on and we will feel that and make that, basically that experience will tell us that there's no one here to take care of us or that we're alone and yeah. that will create a fight or flight response in the body. We will become chronically stressed and that can be present in our bodies for many years. And so as babies, we don't know how to deal with this chronic stress. We don't know how to release it um, because we haven't learned that yet. Mm. And even as adults, we're not taught how to release chronic stress for, for I think is important to add in here. Oh. But, but there's we, so much that yeah. happens in our developmental years where we're like sponges and we take it all on. And so these traumas, what happens is, we develop coping mechanisms with how mm. to deal with the emotional overwhelm. Yes. So, for example, if we're feeling like our, our parents are not available or we're feeling alone or we're feeling, um, yeah, basically unsafe, then what we'll do is we'll start to develop armour across certain areas of our body as yeah. a protection mechanism and how we store these emotions we basically we lock these emotions into the body and they form they so they can be like a tight belly or they can be like a tight chest like a closing of the heart or um, holding of anxiety in the belly and if you think about anxiety right imagine the anxiety of a child that doesn't know it's safe that every like minute of every day it's feeling as it doesn't know when its mum will be there to support, mm. to love, to provide that safety because um, nothing against our parents, but when they grew up, they went through, they, their times were a lot different to what they are now and there was mm. a lot of this stress and um, lack of support for women um, and, and, and it wasn't as inclusive mm. and as open and loving for women as what we have in this modern-day age. So... Um, if there was stuff going on at home, violence, or there was like financial stress, then they can be emotionally unavailable and the child was going to receive that. They're going to take that on and they're going to feel distance, feel disconnected. And, and then yeah. like that longing for connection can be the start of anxiety for people. It can be, um, yeah, basically a, a longing of having this connection and this love and it's never being received. And so you spend your whole life longing for love. And what mm. happens is that it plays out in relationships. It plays mm. out in, so you'll go through the world and you'll be looking for someone to love you. You'll mm. be like, are you the one that's going to love me? Are you the one? And that plays out in relationships. So you're constantly seeking validation, validation. from outside yourself. And until... Yeah until that trauma can be resolved, then you'll continuously play out this pattern. Mm. And, 
And what the trauma release would look like in that instance, for example, it would be the dissolving of the armor that has been created in the body. And the armor is its physical tension, its actual muscular tension. And you'll see this in people like when you press their belly or when you press on potentially across their pecs or shoulders, they're just so, so tight. And they're yeah. holding in all of this um, fear and anxiety and they're holding in this um, distrust and all of these emotions are being held in the physical body and as you're saying with your experience when you apply pressure and you're connected to your sense of self through that continuous breathing then that physical armoring it dissolves and what mm-hmm. comes through the armor is all of those unresolved emotions. And in the workshops and in the breathwork space, we provide the safety for you to be able to feel all of those emotions. Mm. Um, and we do it in a way that you don't feel them all at once. And it's not like this overwhelming rush of emotion. We use what's called pendulation and titration. So we come in and we just break up that whole sense of emotion into little chunks and yeah. we go through it a little bit at a time. We do we chip away and feel a little bit of the fear and a little bit more of the fear and a little bit more of the fear. But in between, we're coming back to a place of safety each time. Mm. And so we're grounding the body and we're going between a state of activation and contraction where your fear, your sadness, your frustration, your anger, where all of that lies. Mm. And then we're coming back into a space of safety and we're just cycling between the two, between the resource and between the activation so that people can allow their nervous system to gently expand and gently open and grow to a space where it's able to hold so much more without becoming overwhelmed. And man, what happens for a lot of people is when they've held this anxiety and they've held this, um, this kind of fight or flight body, it gets, it becomes chronic and it's stuck in the body it plays out for their whole life, right? Your, yeah. your body lives in the fight or flight response. And so we will look for situations which continue to activate that for us because that's yeah. all we know and it's what's familiar. So we'll get high-stress jobs. We'll drink a lot of caffeine. Yeah. Um, we'll create lifestyles which are so mm. full and so busy and stressful that because we don't actually know how to be without stress. Yeah. So we just create more and more stressful situations for ourselves and to be in a life without stress would be so foreign and so unknown that so it, scary. Feels, it feels scary. It feels uncomfortable mm. and your body just like naturally wants to resist that. But when we resolve the, the traumas and when we are able to integrate the traumas, then the fight or flight response is also completed as a part of that process. So we no longer need to live in, stress mm. and um, you'll know this man with your own journey for people that live in a chronic state of stress they have so many health problems yeah and um, there's like the longest list of health problems that are related mm. to being in a chronic state of stress um, basically from like head to toe skin um, digestive problems mm. um, problems with like chronic pain allergies and, allergies all of it you know it's like your body is just fighting itself it's constantly activated and and also what happens which is such an important one i want to touch on as well is 
with this contraction that I was talking about and this armoring that I was talking about, how we mm. hold tension in our body and we physically close our body, that requires a certain level of energy to hold that contraction and to hold in all of those unresolved emotions. It's basically, yeah. um, and that's our physical energy that we have available to us. And so that's why people feel so tired and fatigued when they <laughs> are in a state of, um, or when they haven't resolved their trauma. And then once you start clearing all these traumas, you have so much more energy available to you because mm. your body's not holding on to tension anymore. Mm. And it's not, it's not having to fight to lock in all of these emotions. And you can breathe so much deeper because a lot of our trauma gets released through breathing and our body subconsciously knows that. So we breathe more shallow. And yeah. majority of humans, if you watch them, can't breathe diaphragmatically and they can't breathe really deeply. So it keeps all of the feelings and sensations at a very surface level. And also, oxygen is energy. So mm. if you're breathing on a surface level, then your energy is going to be also at a surface level. You're going to have no depth um, to your energy. You're going to have no like um, endurance with your energy, you know. And mm. that's another byproduct of doing this trauma release is that people can breathe so much deeper and then their energy comes alive. They're like, oh, my God, I don't need coffee anymore, Yeah, you know. That's a good point that you get to right there, bro. I mean, uh, I think I can feel like you. You and I have both been in this stage, and I'm going to ask a question about this soon. But like, it's like the external validation and the external, well, the need for external substances that match your internal environment, right? And so, even mm. what are your thoughts on like even you were saying like matching the internal environment, saying like your nervous system's constantly in fight or flight or in like go go go. So like you bring in experiences that match that but what's your what are your thoughts on like when people bring in um, alcohol bring in drugs bring in stuff to like feel something greater than in themselves because I mean this is my own background it's like I'm 12 months alcohol free right now that is that's amazing bro let's celebrate you for a second (laughs) yeah (laughs) thank you dude right now celebrating Luca and sending him all of the love (laughs) and and yeah, good vibes. You're gonna keep receiving that for like years, man. When people listen to this podcast, <laughs> I love that. I love that. that. Well, that's the thing, dude. Is I was never going to be able to get to that point in my previous state before doing this heal, having this healing journey of like processing these past traumas. So mm. I was using it to feel something greater, right? Like, what's your thoughts on that, bro? Yeah, so I've also been in that place as well, man. And mm. I, I used to drink a lot of alcohol when I was younger, when mm. I was at uni and um, and even after that in the first couple of years of mm. my working full-time um, career. And you, so there's multiple reasons why you drink, why you take drugs and, and all of that. And, and yeah, that sense of being able to feel feel something deeper Again, it comes back to uh, not being able to breathe deeply mm. and not being able to feel anything because you've got trauma trapped in your body. If your body is contracted, it's in this chronic state of stress, it's got mm. tension riddled all over your body, then you're not going to be able to breathe deep. You're not going to be able to feel anything. And the thing with emotions is um, 
emotions are not selective in that if you can't feel or if you haven't processed your anger, um, then generally you're not going to be able to feel any of your emotions in their full depth. So people that want to Including feel... Including joy and stuff? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, all of them. Yeah, because they're all um, neural pathways within the nervous system. Mm. So it's like your emotions are very similar signals throughout the body. And if you don't feel one, if you don't allow yourself to feel one, then you don't allow yourself to feel any of them. Mm. And that is such an important part of, of the journey is... If you want to feel that connection, the love, the warmth, the abundance, the joy, um, all of those, then you've also got to feel the sadness, the grief, um, the anger, the rage, all of it. They're they're the same thing to the nervous system, more Mm. or less. That's where a lot of people get caught out. And that's where, especially if you're on a spiritual journey, you've got to be really careful with your spiritual bypassing because you can only go so far with the journey um, and with kind of living in this love and light if you Mm. haven't dealt with the, so to speak, dirty laundry or you haven't Mm. dealt with the bottom half of the body where a lot of that anger and a lot of that sadness and grief lies, then you'll never be able to fully access the, the higher chakras and the, the full depth of love and joy that is available to you. Mm, that's powerful. So basically what you're saying there is like love and joy can't flow through the body if it's contracted with anger and and sadness and shame and guilt and fear and all that, right? Yes, yes, 100%. It, it, yeah. It's funny you mention that. Well, it's not funny you mention that actually. It's, it's so awesome to hear that because I'm reading the book uh, Molecules of Emotion at the moment. I'm not sure if you've read that, but it's by Candace Pert. Dr. Candace Purton, she found she found the opiate receptor in 1972 and she went on a journey to like understand the molecules of emotion and she actually went to say that yes it does emotions do store in the tissue and the cells and that it is our job to go and heal that right and so reading that after this healing journey is going, oh my God, it makes so much sense because a lot of people, and this is one thing that I always see and that I've dealt with for a long time is the tight hips, right? Like a lot of men have tight hips, dude. Yeah, so the hip flexor is considered, or the psoas, is considered to be the fight or flight muscle. Mm. And it is one of the biggest muscles in the body, one of the strongest muscles, and it's the muscle that we use for running. It's Mm. the muscle that we use for kicking and basically for pushing away. And when that muscle or when our nervous system has um, trauma or stress, that's quite often where it stores. And, yeah, some of the deepest work that we do with, biodynamic is actually related to the hip flexor and Hmm. if you think about it um our basic primal needs are our base chakra if you want to go down that route so our basic primal needs are like safety and love and connection Mm. and when they aren't met or when there is excess fear in our lives it's related like fear is related to safety and it's a basic primal need Mm. to live in a safe space. So 
that basically is the, the hip flexor, like our base chakra is that whole region of the groin. And so it's this beautiful like marrying up of Western um, science and understanding of how the body works and our muscular skeletal system and um, the Eastern system of like chakras and um, energy systems. They're like, they're mm. so aligned. And that's one of the most common places for people to store some of their deepest pain mm. is in the hips, is in the hip flexor specifically. And also it's one of the most sensitive muscles. Mm. So when you touch it, totally just explode um, yeah man so it's like it's really it's a sensitive area that has to be fully respected and um and yeah what we see is really common as well obviously people are sitting a lot more and so yeah. that's your hip flexors which can contribute to the problem as well um but yeah the, how much lower back pain do we get right and lower mm. back pain is really closely associated with stress and mm. your hip flexor is connected to your lower back. Mm. So it's like here we here is all the Slow information. Down. Yeah, you can just see how the whole thing is playing out. It's, um, yeah. So, yeah, and also, right, another part of this aspect is our sexual energy originates mm. in our base. It originates um, in our mm. reproductive organs, which are at the very bottom of our spine and they want to flow up. So if our body is really contracted around this area because of stress, our life force energy, which is also our kundalini energy, mm -hmm. cannot flow through the body up through the spine and out through the other energy centers, through our power center, through our heart, through our throat and expression and out through the higher chakras. So we have this massive life force energy which goes into creating cells and newborn like full humans it's created yeah. it's basically a miracle every time yeah. and this miracle energy sits within our hips but it cannot travel through and up the body because of our hip flexors and the other muscles that surround it yeah. in a contracted state so they're like locking it's like we our own life force energy is in a jail it's like closed yeah. in and locked in there that's a good that's a good analogy man like it's it's um encapsulated or in a jail like in a cell in a mm. box that it's just waiting to break free but we've got to do the work to do it so like for someone listening right now going fuck tight hips is is like the biggest problem in my life and even for me now i've still got my right hip my left hip's great like doing meditation but my right hip it it just like it it lock it, it, it's clearly tighter than the than the left and even to this point now where I'm like meditating cross-legged, I did it for Pasana about two and a half years ago, three years ago, and I had to sit kneeling. Like I had like a stack of pillows, funny enough, stack of pillows, and I had to kneel and then have pillows under me because I couldn't yeah. sit cross-legged to the point where I would cry because my hips were so tight. And so yeah. now all I do is meditate cross uh, sit seated in a seated position. And... So, like, someone listening right now, I'm, I mean, let's just touch on that. That's a clear progression of doing the work, the emotional release, to the point where your hips are actually unlocking. And 100%. it's beautiful, dude, to be able to feel these different emotions in my life too and more joy and have different relationships that stimulate mm. that those same emotions. But, like, someone listening right now, they're going, frig, man, my 
my hips are tight. I can't sit cross-legged or when they sit, it's pretty much like their knees are touching their chin because they're that locked up. What's something that you can say to those people listening on how they can like, what's the next steps they can take to unlocking those hips or what do they need to have in their awareness? Well, yeah, good question, man. Um, So just getting curious about uh, the relationship with their hips, I think Mm. is important as a starting point. And to open up um, a, a movement practice, a free movement practice to explore those hips and to start breathing Mm. nice and gently and to just like really with this conscious awareness of your hips is just moving through them in all different areas and trying to get as much different movement in there as possible Mm. you can really just start to see like what is this for me what am I feeling and like that's a beautiful way to to start the process of Mm. understanding what's going on in your hips and your body talks to you as well so if you're being present enough with this process your hips will start to tell you what's going on they will say um like will it trigger a memory or something yeah, they 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 may not go that much, but they may, it may just be a bit more high level than that. So it may just be like, oh, there's some trauma here, or it might just be like, oh, this is because you're sitting too much, or it might be because oh, you're having too much coffee, and this is creating a fight or flight response in your body, and yeah, that's why right. you've got these tight hips. But like, it'll be like a hunch. Your, yeah, yeah, yeah. You you just get a message, and um, and then from there you can take that and do something with it but just allowing the wisdom of your body to come through like that's really that's a good our bodies, point our bodies can talk to us man like we Dude. just don't we're not told that and we don't understand it we don't really have that experience yeah. um because it would have happened as at a young age but we don't get that message reinforced from our parents so we start to stop listening and also we eat so much sugar and processed food that our sensitivity and ability to receive these messages gets basically switched off mm. because we're hyper aroused from food and, mm. and or, or we're numbed out from playing PlayStation or watching TV. Yeah. We're not in a space where we can receive these messages. But if you create that space for yourself, like you're potentially eating clean or even if you're not if you just go into a room with an intention of receiving a message and you just breathe naturally and in a way which allows you to feel connected to yourself maybe you start off with a meditation and then Mm. that will lead into free and open movement and the open movement would just look like an unwinding of the hip so if you imagine that the hip is bound up and it's contracted and it's contracted with multiple layers of tension and like gunk. Imagine yourself having to unwind all of that. It's basically like imagine a ball of string and mm. it's been round and round and wound on top of itself. And it just is like when you unravel that, you roll it out and this ball of string is just unraveling and unraveling back to its original state, which was like a straight string. So that's kind of the process that you might want to explore and you could see how that is and you could really give yourself the time to do that properly. Like we're talking 30 minutes to an hour of Mm. exploration, of breathing. You might come back into some stillness and then you might go back into some movement. 
just getting really curious and there might be some journaling that you can do with that as well. Mm. And that's a, that's a beautiful first step that it's not a trauma release yeah. yet. It's an awareness it might, point. Yeah. It's an awareness point and it might give you the next step of that journey. And yeah, it might be a trauma or it might just be something else in your life. You're sitting too much. Um, yeah. You don't have any glute strength. It could be any of those things. So, yeah. um, That's a good a, point, bro. Yeah, yeah. I think and that's I, important. That gets us to the point of like just first of all having curiosity in think in this, is, is out, thinking outside the box of what society is telling us everything is in our life. And mm. um, I mean that's the first step, right, is being curious of like what is actually could be, it be here. And then the second aspect is like, and, and I know you agree on this, the body is so much more intelligent than we are and we're trying to replicate systems in the that, that operates in like milliseconds in the body. We're trying to replicate mm. these systems outside in real in the real world, but we can't. Like we just we have no idea the the absolute potential, the intelligence of our human body. So if we have self awareness, we have that curiosity, we listen to our body, which is what meditation truly is, is developing the self awareness muscle, and we can hear it talk to us. And I'm, I'm with you on that. And I know you and I think on the same page, but it's like I never used to think that. And I was like, man, nah, it's the body. Feed it cocaine, feed it alcohol, feed it LCM bars, like whatever. Yeah. And let it, And now it's like going 100 mile an hour with your trauma and you're so far disconnected from who you truly are than you could ever believe. So yeah. I'm glad I'm glad we, we're getting down to the like the basics of the people that aren't even like at this point yet who haven't discovered the emotional trauma release or had that initial aspect because mm. a lot of people are probably thinking, okay, cool. I've heard emotional trauma release, or maybe they even haven't, but like, why would they want to do it from your own experience, bro? And I know I've heard your story before, like, let's, let's go, why, let's answer this. Why would they want to do it? What would give them the encouragement to go on this journey and discover what stored or release the stored trauma or emotions of their past? Yeah. Just before we do that, I want to just quickly touch on curiosity for half a yeah, second sweet. Yeah, bro. because we're so programmed around curiosity and think about it. Like there's this saying curiosity killed the cat, right? So that's a subtle message telling us that curiosity is bad and everyone has heard that, I'm pretty sure. And also when we're kids, as kids learning about the world, we are so curious. We touch everything. Like mm. literally you watch a baby and it'll put its hands in its mouth, it'll put its hands all over its body, including its genitals. It will put sand in its mouth. It will pick up things it's not meant to. And Yes, you need to teach your kid boundaries and you need to teach your kid what is safe and what's unsafe. And we have definitely taken that way past its scope of reasonable um, teachings. And it's like overbearing for most kids in what I witnessed anyway, to the point where we're just killing kids' creativity, uh, not, not their creativity, um, their uh, curiosity we're just killing it and cutting it off because we're telling them not to be curious. We're like, don't touch that. Don't do that. Don't go there. And the whole programming as an, uh, as a small child is mm. don't your, your, your curiosity is not welcome. 
your curiosity is not needed. Just do what you're told. Mm-hmm. And part of this process of uh, awakening and of letting go of all of these stories is to reconnect with that curiosity and to let go of that story, that curiosity is bad and that mm. it's not important and that we should just do what we're told. Yeah. So I think that's a big one, man. That's, totally uh, that's a societal conditioning that we all receive. And so yeah. reclaiming our curiosity is reclaiming your power. Or, yeah, in many ways, man. So I just wanted to like touch yeah, appreciate that, that well because, yeah, people don't realize how deep the conditioning is and how, yeah, how subtle it is as well that mm. uh, we can easily be um, like have certain aspects of ourselves just turned off without even like we didn't ask for that. We didn't sign mm. up for that. That's just what's being placed on us. Mm. And um, to be able to reclaim that is, is, yeah, I mean, curiosity is a superpower because it just opens the whole world, it opens everything for you, opportunities for anything to happen, for possibility. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, for our own healing, you know, we need curiosity for our own healing. And I think when people approach their healing of being told what to do and then doing exactly what they're told, yeah. um, you'll never achieve your healing because you're not allowing the wisdom of your body to come through. You're not allowing the specific codes or messages that are unique to you. You're not allowing them to be received. Mm. Um, yeah, so curiosity is a game changer. And so, so yeah, you heal that. You, you, you can hear that. Everyone listening is be curious 100%. Yeah. That wasn't a good yeah. enough reason. Yeah. Appreciate that, bro. So, so well, why? Why and, do people want to do it? Yeah. Uh, so, man, because basically it makes your life better. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's like, how else can you say that? Eh? <laughs> Simply put, um, yeah i mean it brings more love and connection and gratitude and purpose and fulfillment into your life Mm -hmm. you stop looking for external validation and Mm -hmm. you stop a lot of those patterns that are playing out so you know uh such as um drinking alcohol um drugs and and like all of these unhealthy addictions um, mm-hmm. you stop giving your power away to your boss, to your partner, um, and you start to stand in your power and ask for what you want. You start to mm-hmm. say no when you mean no, and you say yes when you mean yes. Yeah. And um, it just it basically turns your life from black and white into this new TV, which is color picture and it's <laughs> i don't even know what the latest spec of tv is but it's like those crazy ones you see in jb hi-fi where the whole it looks like the whole tv I mean, they're bending crazy. now yeah. and they're like yeah, yeah. They're like in a u-shape yeah that's basically what your life becomes because um we open up all of our senses and emotions which create our experience of the world right mm. and so if we don't have any available emotions to us our life is literally black dull. and white. Yeah. And it's so dull and there's no energy, there's no aliveness in our body mm. and in our life. Um, and so that's why we want to do it is just to live better lives, to experience life for what it can be. It has mm. like all of our lives have so much potential to be so much more than what we allow them to. And we just get stuck and, um, 
confused. And also, we're not really told about these things. We're not led um, in a way, you know, like we're not taught from our parents and from yeah. our mentors about what life could be and how we could become better and experience more. And, uh, yeah, so we've got to do that for ourselves, man. And, and now we're starting to lead the way for other people, both of us. And yeah. um, people are just realizing and starting to awaken to that that if they really want to live a better life and experience more of these um, joy and emotion and beautiful aspects of ourselves, that they're going to have to go and do that for themselves and they're going to have to totally. go and find that for themselves. And thank God for the internet, man, because now it's just so available. It's so easy to, to find that and we can find our own mentors online mm. and they can be free. We don't even have to pay for them. Mm. Um, so yeah, that is um, it's a beautiful time to be alive. We're so lucky, dude. It is a very beautiful time to be alive, and that's sort of that's the message here. Is like we we have everything at our fingertips. We're not in a generation fighting a war. Like we're not having to go to war. We have a lot more free will, a lot more choice now. Where. Mm. We've got anything at our fingertips. Literally, if you want to find your passion in life, this is the perfect time to do it. But you're not going to do it if you're holding on to the emotional baggage of your past. Like everyone says these two things, right? Oh, that person's got a bad vibe. Okay, that's picking. You're picking up on a sense that someone has bad energy, which yeah. is an emotional, which is an emotional uh, sensation, or that you're you're feeling that emotion from that person. And then the other one that we always say is, oh, that one, that, like when you got a chick, you I know, I this is what I used to do, right? Like you would start seeing a girl growing up, right? You start seeing a girl, maybe it's like in your early 20s and you go, oh, no, she's got too much baggage. Like yeah. we're saying these things, we're aware that we have emotional trauma stuck in our body, but we're not actually getting to the point of going, let's go and discover it and let's go and leave it behind. So yeah. you don't and show up in a relationship. as a bad thing. Right. Yeah, when you say yeah. you've got too much baggage, what you're saying is that I don't like that. I don't want to be a part of that. That's not good. Mm. You know, it's like that can, um, that there's a subtle conditioning in that as well. Of yeah, that's like, a good oh, point. That baggage is bad. So like we're exiling that person or we're exiling, yeah. or like as if we're shaming ourselves to say, oh no, we don't have that. We're going to hide it even more now. Yeah. Yeah. We've all got our own baggage. Oh mate, it's to think we're perfect. Right. The thing is, man, for some people, it's just their baggage is more obvious. You just see it in more obvious ways. Mm. And the most obvious way you see it is with homeless people. Like, mm. there is baggage there. Like, generally, homeless people, people who are addicted to drugs um, or have, like, serious psychological conditions, mm. they're generally the ones who are most traumatized and they have mm. the most baggage. And mm. you see it, like, you physically are witnessing it and... Um, to think that we don't have our own baggage is just crazy because we do. It's just not so obvious as what theirs is. And we have just developed different coping mechanisms to what they have. That's beautiful, brother. Glad you mentioned that. And, I mean, that's where, like, we can probably – the first identifier to see if you've actually got emotional baggage, it's, I want to hear your thoughts on this. Like, for me, I say you can either show up in a state of, like, response or reaction, Right. If you're reacting, you're re you're having a reoccurring emotional action. So you're reacting with shame, fear, guilt, anger, frustration, whatever. Your your ex you, that that for that emotion to come out of you exists within you. And so that where did that come from? 
So if you want to really start this healing journey, are you, where are you reacting? Is there an emotional reaction on in your day? And what is that initial emotion? Because that emotion is connected to something. Would you agree with that? Mm. Yeah, 100%, man. And um, also there's like really obvious emotions and reactions and then there's really subtle ones as well mm. that um they take like a deep level of awareness and mm. they all play their role as well so mm. we start with these ones that we can find that are like really obvious reactions in our in our lives like we get angry at someone for something or we get just worked up over something which seems insignificant or we get triggered by something when we see it or when we read it on social media and these are like the gateway in and mm. it's like there's layers upon layers upon layers and these are the top layers these are the surface layers and we need to remove these to get all the way to the core and at the core mm. we have love and basically like at the core we have um <laughs> yeah love and, and these like really high vibrational <laughs> energies yeah. and to to get to those yeah we need to to start integrating and, and like re- revealing the layers and what I was saying about the ones that we're aware of, it's there has to be a journey to be able to see the deeper layers, the more deeply seated, unconscious or subconscious, um, let's say, emotions because we can't go straight to them. It's not possible. You need to take off the first layer, Mm. which is what you were saying. It's like what's showing up in your everyday life Mm. and with a, a constant meditation practice or self-awareness practice we just go into so many more of these layers and we're just unraveling constantly Mm. and things that now we're aware of two years ago would never have even like like come up on our radar we wouldn't have even noticed them right now you know because we have taken off other layers we've been able to find a deeper level of awareness within ourselves it's like oh now i see that when she says this i do this and it makes me feel this whereas before it just used to happen and i wouldn't even notice that i was feeling anything so that's Um, the journey as well so yeah you're right the first step is to like notice what's showing up in your everyday life yeah yeah man that's powerful i mean fuck like this this journey, dude, like people are on it. So we've, we've talked about the people that are on it are just like not even on it yet, sorry. And we're talking about those that are like looking at it going, oh, what's emotional trauma? I don't know if that's for me. And so hopefully they've got a bit of information now for this, for what we've discussed to like get into it, to get enough out of it, to want to actually go in there and start creating more joy and happiness in their life and fulfillment especially. So like then there's the people that are, deep into the work and they're going they're emo- they're healing the emotions and then they they take off the first couple layers and they get some deeper stuff and then that then they they're noticing like the big emotional releases and then they're like oh my god this is so tiring like you and i've been here like we're yeah. probably still here to be honest for for as- aspects of it and I'm like oh when's this going to end like and what's your thoughts on that like is does this journey end i mean we're still in it i mean I don't know where the end point is. What is the end goal that we're looking for in this uh, in this journey? Um, so it doesn't end, but I would say that it gets more familiar, mm. and you learn how to 
take care of yourself better and you learn to just accept it and what I think is that um, basically, yeah, we're like infinite consciousness and um, and we have so many layers. Like think about our whole lives and everything that's happened, all of these stories we've taken on, all of the little things that we've been through that actually have defined who we are mm. and they continue to define who we are through um, everyday life as it currently is. Like we are always evolving and redefining who we are. We're learning and at the start it feels like a lot and it feels heavy because we're having big shifts and there's big amounts of baggage that are being released mm. and those big amounts of baggage have held on to a lot of tension they've held a lot of energy in our body and so when they release they take a lot of time for that to integrate for our nervous system to mm. um, settle and um, I would say that the first couple of years of that journey are quite taxing because your body is literally going through a massive detox mm. and you know you would be aware man when you go through a detox you feel pretty shit before you feel better yeah you don't straight away start feeling amazing yeah. um and that's what people that's that's why that comes up for people it's like oh my god is it ever going to end and yeah. actually pretty funny you say that because tracy and i are right in the middle of this like nine day um, medical medium cleanse yeah. and that's literally where we're at like I'm so sick of eating raw vegetables and <laughs> I'm like why is this like I'm like oh my god I just want something like you know that's I just want to go back to normal life but we're right in the middle of that detox phase they're literally releasing all these toxins from our liver and mm. they're in the body and they're working their way out and our body is working a lot harder than what it normally does so there's mm. less available energy and we're not we're probably more like three quarters of the way through that journey so now we're starting to see these peaks of energy that have been freed up like our body is starting it's not having to work as hard anymore it's a lot cleaner though like fuel is more efficient and all of the systems within our body are just working a lot better than what they were so we're starting to like you know these little dance parties like oh it feel pretty perky and um, <laughs> that's what happens on your journey as well yeah. is that um once you've gone through this massive detox, this emotional detox, you've released all of the baggage you've been holding on to, um, you're lighter and yeah. you're more free and, you, you know, um, stuff still comes up always. It's still going to, like, life just keeps lifing. It doesn't stop lifing. Um, you've just got to embrace the path. But what we do is we get more information about ourselves and how we handle these situations and what we need to do in these situations and how we best recover from them and how much time out we need and yeah. all of these things. So life becomes easier. Life becomes easier. You're just able to like naturally flow rather than it becoming something which like smacks you over the head and knocks you out for two weeks and then you get yeah. sick and then it's like you've got to recover from the recovery or mm. you've got to recover from the, um, you know, from the like big trauma release or from yeah. the awareness yeah. you've gained or whatever healing journey you're on. Um it's like that can just flow and become part of your life and not be such um, a roller coaster. It just becomes like this beautiful flow. That's a good point, dude. Uh, the, uh, ro the emotional roller coaster is like you can live a whole life. This is what I say. It's like you live a whole life going up and down, up and down, up and down, yeah. substance yeah. in, substance in, substance in, like all these external sources to feel something greater in yourself and even just like constantly on a fight or flight um, pattern. And you can live your whole life like that and 
and or you spend a couple years like max hard yards doing the healing to live a lighter, more whole, empowering, fulfilled life. Nothing changes outside of you. Everything, everything still exists as it was in your whole life. You just learn how to tolerate differently or you don't get triggered by the responses because you have no emotional connection to the past in your life. So it's like someone pisses you off, like someone five years ago pisses you off by doing something. Ten years down the track, the same situation occurs. You don't even trigger a response. You have more compassion yep. to them, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I would say your external world definitely does change. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, you're up level to your a point friends, where like shit doesn't come into your field. Change. Yeah. Your yeah. friends will change. Your, you'll probably like move house. Um, you'll probably get a new job. Um, mm. You know, your physical body will be different. Like you will actually look different. Your mm. eye color might change. Like there, you know, your yeah. Oh, there's just so much there that I that I witness, and even like health conditions, they change, they resolve, they're no longer present. Um, there's a lot, a lot that can change, you know, um, through doing this work. So, um, take yeah, it from us. It's a beautiful journey. It is, and it's it's internal as well as external. It gets reflected mm. in in both aspects of your life. I mean, we're, we're starting to talk about vibrations now, which is another thing. It's like the vibration in you matches the vibration outside of you, right? That's essentially what we're saying. Um, and like talking saying, about yeah. our field changing. So what's outside of us is actually changing. And, and this is an, a good point, dude. I think we might even go down there. And because a lot of people on this healing journey will notice huge shifts in their external environment. So like their friend groups, their work, their home, everything starts changing and that can be a little yeah. bit uncomfortable. Yeah. And you and I can both attest to this, like this does exist and this does happen, but it yeah. is beautiful. So embrace it, right? Like, I mean, we wouldn't have met, I don't believe, if I was living in my old world. No, we wouldn't. Actually, like podcast. 100%, like we wouldn't be doing this podcast. I wouldn't have had the courage to do this podcast to speak about how others can have uh, to feel more alive from the inside, I wouldn't have started this podcast if I hadn't done the healing work. So who knows what changes? Who knows yeah. what can like what potential can exist if you do this work, right? Yes, yes, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I love that man. Yeah, I, you know what, brother? I think like I was going to go down a few other paths, but I think we've really left this on a key note, like a really high note. Yeah, um, I agree, and the stuff that we haven't even gone into. So. Yeah. Part two will be coming in hot. <laughs> yeah, coming in hot. Part part three, just because part one got uh, was vanished. Oh, yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. Um, <laughs> part part one is in the uh, ether. But look, dude, you do some powerful men's work, and I've been to your men's circles in East Vic Park in Perth. Um, did you want to talk a little bit about the men's work that you're doing there? Yeah. Well, let's let's touch on that. Um, mm. So you know, men's work is so needed in this modern day age and mm. a lot of men learn to be with one another through competition and comparison and that's the the way that we interact and and we've learned that through um, the systems of society and the conditioning of society mm. and what that creates is um, basically the world that we live in right mm. where um, we are always competing against one another as men for something so it might be in business 
it might be in friendships, it might even play out in families. And um, as men, we struggle to support each other on uh, the deeper levels that men can. Like the masculine energy in its essence is the container and it can hold so much and allow so much to take place within it. But as men, we're not taught how to um, cultivate our own container. And mm. so what men's work is, is is redefining that and coming back to creating our container, to keeping our container clean and open and expansive and big so that our world can play out within that container. And our world involves our partners, our jobs, our mission, mm. like everything we're here to do, our friends and family. Um, and that's essentially what men's work is and and what it looks like is um is supporting one another is mm. learning from one another is um being in the presence of other men who are on the path and basically having role models and kind of like um these reference points of what does it mean to be a, a healthy embodied man and hold a a healthy embodied masculine energy in this mm. modern day uh, world. So that's the essence of the men's work. And um, and it also just provides a safe space for men to speak because... Which is rare. Um, it's rare. It's like, you know, one of the primal, most developmental traumas for men is expressing their emotions and being called a pussy. Yeah, <laughs> or being told to shut up, or being told like men Called don't lie. Yeah, you're a fact. You know, like you know that is a primal trauma for men, and we've got to redefine that. We've got to um, be able to become bigger than those stories and that conditioning, yeah. and we've got to be able to embrace our emotions, to be able to embrace our expression and sure. allow whatever's coming up to be spoken and and feeling that there are men in the world that can hold that and that mm. can hear us without judgment, without ridicule, that are, their hearts are open and they're receiving um, and they're not there to offer feedback, mm. which is an important part of men's work unless it's specifically asked for, but generally just being able to like hold the space for someone to express and to speak. You know, we so often we get interrupted when we're trying to say something. Like people mm. will be like, oh, what does that mean? Or, oh, no, you should do it like this. Or, no, 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 no. You know, and it's like we just don't have the space for us to be able to speak about or just express fully without interruption, you know. Yeah. And, um, and that's what the men's work is about as well. So... Um, it's really healing and it's really subtle. Like we don't, in, in the men's groups, we don't go into any like deep processes that we do in the breath work. However, you know, it's still a, a healing space and yeah. it's still a profound, impactful space. And, um, and then there is like the, the, I do run Embody Man, which is the men's breath work journey. And mm. like that's, that's a much deeper journey and, and it's kind of like a progression from the meetup, from being in person, from feeling comfortable there to then being able to be comfortable um, in your emotions in a group full or a room full of other men in the same space. And, and then that takes its own course from there. It's like people find their own journey and it really just transforms and 
beautiful to be a part of, man. And, it and is, that's dude. probably, um, you know, a, a massive part of my journey was actually specifically men's work mm. and being held accountable by men, being heard by men, being seen by men, by actually witnessing men be in their emotions and not be judged and for that to be okay, mm. redefine what it was and what it meant for myself. Mm. And, and then I could take that back to my partnership. Um, and into my own world with my family and with my friends and um, men's work has been transformational oh, for me yeah. and and specifically men's work like that's really between that and breath work um, you know I've had major shifts with both and they were both so needed in my life like there's certain things that only the men's space could provide me um, and the same for breath work so mm. Yeah, now I get to combine them, which is amazing. It's a beautiful journey you're on, man. And I'm I'm actually wondering why you're so passionate about it. Um, what is there something in particular that happened that for you to be so were you disconnected from men or was there something that happened for you to be so passionate about? Has this happened in your yeah. life somewhere? Yeah, man, I was just basically one of the guys I described. I was constantly comparing and judging myself with mm. every other guy that I came in contact with and you know I didn't realize it at the time but now I see how it played out I was constantly just being like is he stronger than me is he richer than me is he you know smarter than me and this was playing out and what would happen is that I felt completely disconnected like there was no connection in my life with men or with women like my Mm. partnership with my beloved was um, it was very surface level and she almost um, or there was a, a point where Tracy said to me, she was like, you need to do some work because I need more. Um, I need to be supported deeply in the journey that I'm going on. And if you can't meet me in that, then I'm going to find that elsewhere. Yeah. And that really shook things up for me and made me realize that, um, that I had to change. And um, and then I started my journey and it, and it took a while, it was pretty slow to start with. And then it's like once I got more and more used to how, how it happened, then I could really embrace it and really go for it. But at the start, mm. it, was, um, it, took me, it took me a while. So, yeah, I guess the reason I'm passionate about it, man, also is um, like I've seen this play out with my family. I've had two uncles commit suicide mm. and, you know, um, Pretty much, it's just like they were living in this disconnected world. They didn't have um, a space where they could, you know, I am pretty confident they both had significant trauma in their lives when they were younger. And Mm -hmm. that led to certain coping mechanisms, which led to a certain environment they lived in, which, you know, ultimately sealed their fate. And like, you know, when I went through that, I was in my um, adolescence and early adult years and like, that being at a funeral of someone that's committed suicide with close family members and like, man, you know, that, that really breaks your heart. Um, That's some heavy shit. And to, to witness your family go through that grieving process is like something that I'd never wish upon anyone. And Mm. to be a part of um, redefining our masculinity and, offering spaces where men can come and take care of themselves 
and then the ripple effect that that causes is you know that's a major part of my inspiration that's kind of why i'm here doing this so um brother it's beautiful to witness you man doing that and connecting your pain to purpose hey like you're yeah there's nothing more empowering i can attest that there's nothing more empowering than seeing like men open up emotionally and just being true being real um because yeah. a lot of it and even in my friend groups as well it's like nah i'm all good bro yeah nah nah it's all good anyway man how are you doing and it's like that's the point where you stop yourself from evolving when you say nah it's all good it's all good how are you going like you've literally um directed the the opportunity to grow in another direction so anyway i guess what i'm talking about is that there is an opportunity to grow any in any moment that we choose or any moment that we have to be vulnerable right like uh, in those conversations that you get with your mates and they say how are you bro is not to say yeah you're all good and just um, deny the opportunity to just speak up and who knows what you could say to someone else could actually be that uh, opportunity for someone else to be vulnerable too right would you agree Luke yeah I would brother and I would also add um like on my own personal journey I'm I've gone through that and I've experienced um, a lot of times where by me being more open and being um, more real about what's going on for me, it, it opens a space for the other person to do the same. Um, and I've had some of like the most um, surprising and fulfilling and heart-opening conversations just through doing that. And mm. it's really important that you just feel into that person and like not everyone will be able to meet you where you're at. So um, I would just get a sense of the person and the conversation you're having and see if it feels like that is where it could evolve because there's certain people where if you do be a little bit more real with them, um, then they're not quite at a space where they know what to do with that and they'll either shut off themselves or they might have a go at you or um, project some of their own shit onto you. So it's really important to like not everyone is ready to hold you to meet you where you're at and that there's mm-hmm. a, a bit of discernment within yourself. And you can just feel that when you're with someone in a conversation and, and like if you guys are on the same wavelength um, or if there's a potential opening um, there, you can generally feel that. So I think it's important, mm-hmm. yes, to be open, to be real, to have those conversations and to just respect and be discern, discerning for yourself because there's no point in being real if someone's just going to tell you you're a pussy, um, yeah. you know. So that's, a, that's, that's another important aspect of the conversation as well. And they might Gaging. never change. Yeah. They might never mm. step into this space. So um, all you're doing is a disservice to yourself if, you, if we're like, yeah, putting, putting that onto them. So mm. that's important as well, brother. Yeah, that's awesome, dude. Um, so, I mean, we've got you pretty much, we've, we've extracted all the goodies out of you today. So, I think we're going to have to wrap this up. Yes. And whatever's left, I think we, we will talk about in, in 3.0. Though, so for much. the guys, so guys listening to this, um, we'll put the show, in the show notes, we'll put a link to your Embody Man Men's Circle, um, your breathwork yes. uh, workshop coming up. Yeah. You just want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so this next Embodiment is on the 17th of January. It's on Friday yeah. evening. It runs from yeah. 6 to 9 p.m. And 
Um, we're going to have 15 men and basically this one is going to be specifically on anger. So we're going to do an anger release exercise and we're holding the intention of releasing and integrating anger and redefining our relationship with anger, learning how we can harness anger as a powerful energy to um, steer and cultivate um, in our lives. So the embodiment is, I mean, it is always such a powerful workshop and I've done it several times now and it, um, it blows me away, the power of men coming mm. together uh, into a space with a collective intention. It just, it's mm. deep and it's healing and it's powerful. So I'm really excited about that. Um, we've got that coming up on the 17th and, yeah, we'll put the, the link in the show notes and yeah that's yep. it and then i'll, I'll um i also run one-on-one sessions and i do mini groups with women as well i don't just work with men um and then that's we're awesome. gonna gonna soon launch a workshop in february so stay tuned for that one as well um awesome. and yeah i just this will um, come out on your insta right yeah yeah yep. yeah um one thing that i was feeling to leave people with is just uh an invitation for bringing more conscious breath into their lives and potentially as a beautiful way to structure that into their morning practice. And you can do it um, before, I think, before meditation is really beautiful because it drops you into your meditation even deeper. And, um, and that can just be the Wim Hof breath or mm. it can be something a little bit different. You can modify that and change it as you wish. But just bringing some breath awareness and charging up your body with the breath is going to bring in more awareness, more life, and it's going to start to shape your day and change your physiology and your nervous system. So something that can work really well is the Wim Hof breath, which is 30-30-30. Mm. Um, and otherwise, there's also the O2 daily practice, which... Um, my beautiful friend, or our beautiful friends, actually, the um, the O2 Awakening, which is Hella, Lucas, and Victoria, have mm. created, and that's basically mm. 10 open mouth connected breaths, and you exhale on the 10th breath, hold your breath for 10 seconds, and then you do 20 open mouth connected breaths, and then you hold on the 20th exhale for 20 seconds, and then you go into 30 breaths. And you do 30 conscious connected mm. breaths. You exhale, you hold for as long as comfortable. And then you just go back to breathing normally. And during that normal breathing, you're in in this beautiful space within yourself where you can ask the question, what does my higher self want me to know right now? And mm. yeah, so you're in this kind of depth and connection with yourself where your higher self is able to speak through you really clearly. And mm. then to lead into a meditation that is um, really potent, really powerful. And um, if people just start doing that, I think it's going to create major changes in their lives, just having connection to breath. And what they'll notice is just during the day, they start to breathe so much deeper through their life. And yeah. that creates change uh, in many, yeah. many ways. So yeah, our breath is um is a tool for consciousness and a tool for healing and um and it just has so much potential for us that we have not yet tapped into. 
Yeah, that's a beautiful tool to leave the people with, brother. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, even for one, even when you say breathe, and I think people relate to this, if someone says breathe, and then everyone's like, <sighs> it's like a trigger to remind them to breathe and how shallow we're breathing. So mm. thank you for leaving us with that, man. Breathe into your belly and breathe down all the way into your hips. Breathe down, breathe deep, breathe all day. Mm. Beautiful, brother. Thank you so much for joining me and sharing your time and your experience with those listening to this. This will be up very shortly. And uh, from the bottom of my heart, brother, thank you so much. And I know there's going to be a lot of people needing this wisdom and learning from this wisdom that you have shared through your beautiful experiences. So thank you, Luke. Yeah, thank you, brother. It's an honor to be here. Awesome, man. And for those of you listening to this, I would love to hear what's connected with you most. And you can share that with me on social media. You can connect with Luke on Instagram and I'll add his handle in the show notes. And if you do feel called to this, or this is strung a deep chord in you, 100% share it with those that you love or even review this podcast on Apple, Spotify. I don't think you can review on Spotify, but just send me your love, send the love out to others. And this is something that needs to be shared with people out there. This is time. It's time to wake up. So thank you very much for joining me. And until next time, speak then. See you later. Thank you so much for listening to the end. I'm incredibly grateful to share these magical lessons and experiences with you here. Please, if you can do anything right now, Adopt the takeaways that our guests give you in each episode and use it in your life and share it with your loved ones because that's what matters. And remember this, Socrates once said, the secret to change is to focus all of your energy not on fighting the old, but on building the new. It's time to wake up, my friends.